0: Today's message was recorded live at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church of Louisville, Kentucky. A safe environment where people relationships become kingdom relationships. Find us online at www.FriendlyChurch.com Jesus, the light of the world. I love that song. I... I couldn't sing. You know, I, I love singing. I love music, and music is one of the things that get to me. And yeah, I just it just moved me so much. Jesus, the light of the world. The world doesn't know it, but the, Lord, the world needs Jesus. Our country needs Jesus. This city needs Jesus. That's not my sermon. I just feel inspired to say that. Because we need Jesus. as the only way to connect with Jesus. We've been talking about this since July 11. You can watch. Go back on our YouTube channel. And if you're watching on, online, welcome as you worship with us. We've been talking about the connection that connects us with Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit. Before He left, He said, I will not leave you orphans. He also promised us, I will be with you always. How? Through the Holy Spirit. So please watch those sermons as we uh, move on with this. Uh, I want to welcome everyone who is here. I mean, this is so exciting. Everywhere I look, I see people, you know? I mean, this is different. And if you're watching online, I don't know if you can rotate the camera to show that I can actually preach here, preach here, and preach there. I mean, it makes sense, right? Because I used to preach for so many months with nothing here. And that's so hard for a preacher, trust me. Feel like you're speaking in a void. But the Lord said, my word will not return back to me void. So there you are. You are the fruits of our prayers. And the Lord really answered our prayers this week. Kevin, what a wonderful testimony. We all have been praying for his mother and brother for so many weeks. And this week, the answer came. They are free out of Venezuelan prison. Wow. Awesome. If you're here with us for the first time, if you're physically with us, uh, in front of you, there is a connect card, connect card, and there you can, you can tell us that you're here, that you like to connect with us, if you will. We keep in touch via uh, uh, electronic uh, uh, communication, uh, emails, uh, we have our website, uh, we have uh, texts that can come to you, but you also can say, well, I need, I need some prayers, I need some prayers. So if you need uh, uh, prayers for you, uh, and if you want to keep it confidential, there is a box right there. You can say, keep this confidential, and we'll do that, and we will pray for you. So, yeah, uh, I don't think we have pens, but pens are, uh, clean pens are back in the foyer. So as you exit, or if you have your own pen, you can write this and drop it in one of those baskets, and we will... We will keep you abreast. We will pray for you. We will be there for you. That's what church is supposed to be, right? Also, in the foyer, what you will find is a a stack of little packets like this. And in here, you will find great information in very concise and very direct and focused way of writing. Um, and uh, this is about coronavirus and immunity. Uh, we, we have things here about, you know, why, where is God when I'm hurting? Or, or, or uh, things about your health, steps to your health. Feel free to pick one up, right? From, from the foyer as, as you leave today. Um, this is good. And if you think that you have friends that will benefit from it, pick one more or two more and share that with them. I wanted to uh, ask you something. Uh, There on the screen you see answers in prophecy. What is this? The Bible. What other expression do you use for the Bible? Scriptures. God's word, the word of God. How do we know that is the word of God? Say, Pastor, how can you ask that, that, that question? How do we know? Well, because God speaks. And what God speaks, it happens. And God tells us that He knows the end from the beginning. When God speaks knowing the end from the beginning and tells us things that's going to happen and they happen, we call that a prophecy. So coming up in October, October 9, beginning with October 9, I recommend this series for those of you who would like to know more about prophecy, how God speaks and it happens. If you want to know of where we stand in this universe history, where do we stand in the Earth's history? Is Jesus coming back? Is He not? Did he tell us anything about what's going to happen before he comes? Well, Answers in Prophecy is your opportunity to learn more about this. And you can go right there, answersinprophecy.com, and register and watch. I highly recommend it. I will watch it myself because I think I'll have things to learn. So please do that. Um, before I uh, step into the preaching mode and move on with our message today, I want to say that uh, I'm so grateful to see so many of you here today. However, when this pandemic hit, when we were told that we ought to close our churches, it was hard. It was hard. The only way, we kept going every single Sabbath, we never stopped. Every single weekend, weekend after weekend after weekend. How? Well, Pam and I, we were here. I was preaching. And we had a family here that kept coordinating, putting the worship service in place, everything so that we keep moving. And also worked with me, worked more than me to kept you informed of what's going on. Uh, the ohms family, so Pam, would you like to come here and I would like to invite if you maybe you can just stand uh, i don 't know right there and we got something for you from our church. oh yeah, now i don 't have a mask, but well i 'll I'll, I'll have my uh, my wife to, to pass this to you. This is the family. they have been. They have been working hard. Tracy is our worship coordinator. Uh, uh, Lou uh, is our uh, media communication director. And you know, God orchestrates things before we even know. How would you know that you have the same family, that we needed them to be a family so they can be the only ones allowed to be back there and have it happen to us? So it was wonderful. So we're so grateful that you are able to do it. And we have a certificate of appreciation for you here. And it says, On behalf of the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church, in recognition of exemplary and heroic service during the 2020 pandemic by by coordinating, setting up, and leading live stream worship services and facilitating seamless communication with our church body, we appreciate your commitment to these ministries during unprecedented times. I don't know if you can see this, but yeah, well, this is it. So yeah, God bless you and thank you so much. We're so grateful to have you. Wow, more than a digital hug. It happened and it was live. All right. (laughs) Thank you. And uh, I wanted to have a video, but I think I'll just keep over that. If I can. Oh, I forgot to turn on my...
1: Clicker. There we go. Hi, I'd like to invite you to be part of a brand new online series. I'm John Bradshaw. Hi, I'd like to invite you to be part of a brand new online series. I'm John Bradshaw from It Is Written. Answers in Prophecy is starting soon. I'd love for you to join me. Answers in Prophecy makes sense of what's going on in the world around us today. You know, there are big changes in society today. Many people are experiencing a lot of uncertainty and a great amount of disappointment with what they're seeing and what they're experiencing. We're gonna to go to the prophecies of the Bible and make sense of some of this. We're not gonna speculate. We're gonna see what God's Word says, and we're gonna see that it informs the world in which we live. I'd like to invite you to be part of this with us. Click the link and sign up to be part of Answers in Prophecy. It starts October 9, October 9, and goes 10 nights. We're going to see what Bible prophecy says and how it informs our world answers in prophecy. Click the link, please join me there.
0: Amen. Amen. I guess I missed to to click and uh all right. Welcome back to the Milltown Seventh-day Adventist Church here. I'm so glad to see so many faces today. Thank you, Richard and Lisa, for coming. Thank you, Greg, for coming. Many people that I see that I haven't seen in a long time. Well, you all are welcome here this morning. Back in July, July of this year, July 2020, our church leadership in North America has changed. Pastor Don Jackson, retired. He's been the president of... Uh, of the North American Division in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. We our church is part of a conference of churches and the conference of churches of the largest union of body and this territory that covers uh, the entire United States, Canada, uh, some of the Caribbean, Alaska. It's called northern we call it North American Division and we have a, a leader and pastor uh, Don Jackson was the pastor the leading pastor, the president of uh, this uh, uh, division for uh, almost 20 years, yeah, since 20, no, since 2010, 10 years. And uh, this July, uh, Pastor J. Alex Bryant was named the new president of North American Division. And as it happens with all newly elected, elected uh, church leaders, he was interviewed by magazine, and I have here the magazine, and I got his interview right here. And one of, uh, one of the questions, uh, I'm going to read one of the questions that he was asked in this interview. And, uh, and I'm going to read his answer as well. The interviewer asked Pastor Brian, one, of subject, one subject that young people especially are passionate about now is the apparent racial inequality and injustice in the U.S. What role can the church play in terms of guidance? And here is what Pastor Alex Bryant replied, answered. The church has a vital role. I hear a lot of different activists, and I think that they have a piece of it, but they don't have all of it. If the hearts of men and women are not changed, it can only go so far. Changing laws, for example, he says, is only a surface answer, because if you don't get to the heart, then... Those inclined will find a way around the laws. What the church has to offer to this conversation and dilemma is this. The real answer for the unrest and inequality we face is found in Christ and transforming the hearts of people toward people. This spiritual element that Christ himself used when he went after racial inequality in his time. And this is, and he's referring to Jesus now. When he, when Jesus was trying to get the Jews to see the Samaritans as children of God, Jesus went after the heart. He did other things for certain, but he knew that real lasting change comes from the heart. How is your heart today? Considering all that is going on in the world, in our country, and in our city, how is your heart today? Apparently, there is a problem with the heart. We have a heart problem. And I'm going to pray to the greatest physician ever. In fact, I don't know if you thought about this this way. Do you realize that Jesus is our greatest cardio surgeon? He can fix our hearts. We are the patients. And I'm doing training in hospitals, and I know how it works. The patients. We are the patients. This is the, the, the church service. It's is, is kind of like the operation room, right? The surgery room. This is the OR. And as is the case with all surgeries, before the surgery, the patients go and talk with the surgeon. So, before we go into this surgery today, let's go and talk with the surgeon. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, we come to you. We come to you before we open your word to teach us. We come to you because we realize that we need you. Lord, we come to you because we have a heart condition. And our heart condition is a spiritual one. And Lord, I pray that today by the grace of God, Through the power of your Holy Spirit, you will change our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we're going to start a new mini-series of the sermons into this Greater Holy Spirit series. The title of my sermon today, Free and Fruitful. The Heart is What Matters. How many here today love Jesus? All right, we all love Jesus because we believe He is our Savior and we follow Him. That's why we call ourselves Christians. Recently, we've been studying the role of the Holy Spirit in connecting us with Jesus, as I said earlier. We are the branches. And Jesus is the vine. He or she who is connected with Jesus will produce the fruit that God called us to produce. And that is love. If we are not connected with him, we can't produce the fruit. Now, we know that Jesus' life was a selfless, a life of self-sacrifice... A life of service to others. How can I, how can you live like Jesus? Right? May I suggest we begin living like Jesus in our hearts. Solomon, referring to hearts as our minds, said this. Proverbs 4, verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. A few years ago, I was in a counseling session, and my counselor presented me with the following order. Thoughts give birth to feelings. Feelings create attitudes and desires... Attitudes produce acts, and acts make up our character. And character determines our destiny. In fact, character is all we're going to take to heaven. Nothing else. It doesn't really matter what you have. It doesn't really matter who you are on a social status. It doesn't matter. I memorize this order and I bring it to you this morning because I think it's very important to know. Think about it. Thoughts, feelings, attitudes or desires, acts, and character. And what we have in our mind, what we have in our mind, the thoughts and attitudes can be good or can be evil, can be positive or can be negative. But no matter what, living like Jesus begins in our minds. Anything you do or say is first lived in our mind. Solomon said, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Above all else. In other words, this is your top priority. This is what you must do first as a Christian. Above all else. What did Solomon say above all else? Guard your heart. Why? Because everything else comes out of it. Now, how do you, how do I guard my heart? How do we guard our hearts? What do we mean when we say, I guard something? I mean, I have something that is of value to me, right? I have something that I don't want anybody to mess with. So I guard it. I protect it. I hire security guards to protect it from being compromised or corrupted. And such protection, such guardianship is available to our physical properties, to our bank accounts, to our internet access, pretty much everything and anything we own. What we don't realize these days is that we left our hearts unprotected. We left our hearts exposed to be compromised and corrupted. The question is, how do we guard our hearts? By protecting it. Strictly monitor what is going on to it and into it. One thing we don't realize is that our minds our minds, are directly affected by our senses, by what we touch, what we see, what we hear, what we smell, and what we taste or eat. We do not guard our hearts or minds when we let everything come in. That's not responsible guardianship, right? If we want to guard our hearts, then we are careful what we see or watch. If we guard our hearts, we are careful what we listen and who we listen to. If we guard our hearts, we are careful what we eat or drink. My friends, our senses can have a positive or negative impact on our minds. The wisest man who lived on earth, Solomon, who, who tried an experiment basically with everything, he said, Trust me, guard your hearts, for everything you do flows out of it. What comes out of it? Well, Jesus told us for out of heart, out of the heart come evil thoughts. What are they? Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. That's Matthew 15:19. Look, Jesus is not saying that you did all these. He said that they are evil thoughts in your head, in your mind. You are thinking of such things. My friends, first it happens in the heart, in the mind. First thoughts, then attitudes, desires, and acts. That's how it all started. It started many thousands of years ago. And I'm going to use some excerpts from a popular book, a known book, uh, entitled Patriarchs and Prophets, from the comment on the orig- origin of sin. It all started in. The mind, in the mind of the most beautiful, most brilliant of angels, of all angels. In the book, there it says Sin originated with him who, next to Christ, had been most honored of God and was highest in power and glory among the inhabitants of heaven. His name, Lucifer, son of the morning, as Ezekiel calls him. Little by little, Lucifer came to indulge the desire of self-exaltation. Where do desires come from? The mind, from the mind. He was not content with his position. Lucifer's disposition to serve himself instead of his creator aroused a feeling of apprehension. Where do feelings happen? In the mind. Listen to this. The quote goes on. The angels joyfully acknowledge the supremacy of Christ. This is happening in heaven. Lucifer bowed down with them. But in his heart. Where? In his heart. In his mind. There was a strange, fierce conflict in his mind. My friends, living like... Jesus or not living like Jesus happens first in our minds. Ellen White, the author of this book, Petrarchs and Prophet, goes on to say that he was filled with pride. Think with me for a moment. Before Satan ever said any word to anyone, before Lucifer said anything to anyone, He had an attitude of pride that has formed in his mind, and you know what? It's just a matter of time before what we have in our mind becomes reality. For everything you do flows out from it, Solomon says. So, page 37 in Petrarchs and Prophets. Lucifer went forth to diffuse the spirit of discontent among the angels. That's how Satan started by diffusing a spirit of discontent among the angels. And it he wasn't here on earth, it was in heaven. Now he was on a mission, an evil mission. The thoughts and attitudes he had in mind, now he began to plant same evil seeds in the minds of other angels. He began to insinuate doubts. And remember, when he tempted Eve, what did he do? He put God in question. He raised a doubt. Page 38, the spirit of dissatisfaction was thus kindled. Where did this begin? In the mind of one angel. That's how sin started, my friends. Let me tell you this. If you are like any other human, I can tell you that lots of thoughts come to our mind, right? Martin Luther said, you cannot keep birds from flying over your head you can keep them from building a nest in your hair, right? Thoughts are the same way. You cannot keep them from coming by, but you can choose to ponder on them or not. That's where things can change for the better or for worse. Reading for Petrarchs and Prophets. Lucifer himself had not at first been acquainted with the real nature of his feelings. For a time, he had feared to express the workings and imaginings of his mind, yet he did not dismiss them. In other words, he allowed them, he allowed his thoughts to build a nest. And once they built a stronghold in his mind, they gradually took over his mind. That's what happens, my friend, when we allow a thought to build, to, to, when, when we allow a thought in our mind, no matter what thought it is, it may be good or it may be bad, if we allow it to build a stronghold in our mind, it will gradually take over our mind. The devil knew and was convinced that he was wrong, yet he became stubborn in his mind. It is what Ashley Montagu calls psychosclerosis. You may have heard of arteriosclerosis, which is the hardening of arteries. Psychosclerosis is a hardening of attitude, of mind. Have you ever met... Anyone suffering for psychosclerosis? I know I did. They know they're wrong, yet they stubbornly persist in their wrongdoing. Lord, have mercy. Pray that none of us will suffer from such thing. Where should we, what should we do? Where should we go? What can you and me do? Apostle Paul says, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If living like Jesus happens in the mind, and if everything we do flows out of it, and if lots of people, beginning with Lucifer, suffer from psychosclerosis, can we do anything to transform our, uh, our minds? Yes, we can. It is an intentional act. You and I need to ask the Holy Spirit to transform our mind and this is how we begin. We need to build in our minds what is also called psychoneuroimmunology. I know it's a long uh, line word, but that's what we need to do. It means to put hope in the mind. That's why we read the Bible. There is so much hope here. That's how we put hope in the Bible. We can choose to be hopeful. We can choose to, be th- and to think positive. We can choose to do what's right. And that will, list, uh, that will translate in a hopeful, positive, cheerful attitude. Cancer researchers at King's College in London did a long-term study of 57 breast cancer patients. They found that 7 out of 10 women with a fighting spirit, with the right attitude, and a positive attitude, they were alive 10 years later after they were diagnosed. While 4 out of 5 women who felt hopeless at diagnosis had died. What was the difference? (laughs) They call it psychoneuroimmunology. I call it, plainly, hope. Positive. Solomon knew it 3,000 years ago when he wrote this. A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bone. Harborview Medical Center in Seattle, researching in this field, discovered that patients with positive attitudes recovered more quickly than those with negative ones. Wow! I would say that this is the difference between choosing to live like Jesus versus living like me, living like Marius, living selfish living. If we choose to live like Jesus, to be hopeful and trustful, In something that is bigger than our life, in something that is bigger than our trouble, bigger than our earthly life. If we choose to live like Jesus and guard our hearts, we will have rewards even in this life. How do you, how do I choose to live my life? You and I have a choice today. We can choose to live like Jesus by the golden rule, which says do unto others, if you want them, do unto you. A golden living lifestyle. Or we can choose to live like the world. Selfish living, me, 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 it's all about me. That choice starts in your head, in your mind. And you may say, Pastor Marius, you don't understand what this person or that person did to me. You don't understand what my wife or what my husband said to me. You don't understand how my kids are treating me and how my parents are provoking me. You don't understand the work environment I have and so on. I can't live like that. I can't live like Jesus or else I'll be trampled upon. If that's what you're thinking, this is what I would say to you. I'll quote John Maxwell. What really counts is not what happens to me, but what happens in me. Hmm. This is what I want you to ponder about. Think about this. Depending on your attitude, your thoughts and desires of your mind towards some people. How you feel about them, how you feel about other people, makes a difference in how you treat them next time you go to meet them. When you meet them the next time, you will either be a kind individual to them, or you will be a mean-spirited individual to them. I don't even know how to make that very mean. But that's what happens. What's up here translates in our behavior. It all depends on what you have allowed to develop in your head about that person, that individual. And you may say, Pastor Mars, you don't understand my situation. My situation is a tough one. And I know some people are tough. Charles Swindoll said, life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. Do you live your life proactively or do you react to all that happens to you? There is a law of physics to where a ball rebounds when it's thrown to the wall rebounds with the same force with which it was thrown against the wall. This is the law of physics. And uh, if you believe that God created the world and all we see in it, He is the one who put these laws into our nature. And this law of physics says that action is equal to reaction the law is also true in the realm of attitude of the mind if you smile you get a smile in return and i want to tell you a story that happened to me about three or four years ago and i i related this story, uh, this story before but i want to i want to bring it again because it's it's, it's very interesting it, it, you know it's really proved this uh, a law to be true with our attitudes i was uh, finishing up a uh, on-call shift and I, uh, I went back to Suburban to type in my report and I was all walking back from the chaplain's office to the west entrance. There is a fairly narrow hallway that leads back to the west entrance and you can't really miss anyone walking against your direction. It was Monday morning about 8 a.m. I was walking towards the exit. People were coming in to to enter their shift, to start working for another week. And I decided to make an experiment based on this law that action is equal to reaction. I decided to put a huge, wide, bright smile on my face and, 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 and to smile to everyone who comes the opposite way. That's a long hallway. It's probably about 100 feet or longer. It's a long way. And uh, man, I wish I, I wish I had filmed this. I wish I, I had a camera so you could see. I'm not sure about what happens Monday morning and why people's faces are anything but smiling faces. But I can tell you, everyone's face when, when, I, when, I, when I put that smile, when they saw my smile, every single one responded with a big, bright smile in return. That was funny. That was, wow. It all begins where? In our hearts, in our minds, living like Jesus or the lack Thereof, begins in our mind. It is a mental state, a mindset, or a mind frame. Uh, Norman Vincent Peale relates this story in his uh, book, Power of the Plus Factor. He writes of his experience walking on the streets of Hong Kong one day. And he came upon a tattoo. How do you say this? Tattoo? 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 Tattoo. All right. I am still mispronounced words after 28 years in US. Tattoo. And that doesn't have to do with how I read them is where you place your accent on it, right? Tattoo. So he comes upon this tattoo st- studio, this uh, uh, shop, and he looks through the window. And in the display, he sees a lot of wide variety of things you can pick to put on your body. And he said, what struck me were three words that could be tattooed on one's flesh. And they were born to lose. Really? So in astonishment, he entered in the shop and he asked the, the, the Chinese artist, Does anyone really have that terrible phrase on his body? Born to lose? Yes, sometimes, the Chinese replied. And Norma said, I can't believe that anyone in his right mind would do that. And the Chinese man replied, before tattoo on body, tattoo on mind. My friends, everything we do or say is a reflection is a reflection of what is tattooed on our mind. Everything we do or say is a reflection of what has first been processed in our minds. And sometimes we may think we can fool people. Sometimes we may even Be able to live a double life. A life of hypocrisy, we call it, right? Pretending to be what we're not. We can have a right facade. But living like Jesus is a matter of the heart. Living like Jesus starts inside. It starts in our mind. Jesus said, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. And at the end of time, at the end of our life, when the day of judgment comes, Solomon says... Every way of of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs what? The Lord weighs the hearts. My friends, at the end of this life journey, when everything is said and done, God will weigh your heart, my heart. It's interesting that God's scale starts first with our hearts and minds. I believe these days God is calling you and me to make a choice. Are you? Am I? Are we going to live or not live like Jesus? This series is called Free and Fruitful. Do you want to be free? Do you want to be fruitful? Yes, you can be free if you let Jesus today cleanse your heart of all your sin, of all your thoughts that are not according to his will. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse Cleanse us of all our righteousness, John says in John 1 John 1.9. Yes, you can be free, my friends, by asking him to remove from your mind those thoughts that you do know that do not go in line with the Bible, with his word. And you can be free when you allow Jesus' righteousness to cover you. We'll talk more about this in this series And you can be fruitful as you remain in him. Jesus said, abide in me and I want to abide in you. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide, he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. How can you abide in Jesus and Jesus in you? What is the connector? Or I should say, who is the connector? The Holy Spirit is. My friends, brothers and sisters, YouTube viewers, psychologists are telling us, it all begins in the mind. John Maxwell, Charles Swindoll, Ellen White, and other famous writers testify the same thing. Hospitals even defined this study. The study of hope as it affects health from the mind. Solomon supports it. Apostle Paul is urging us. And Jesus is pleading with us. In fact, 2,000 years ago, my Savior, your Savior, Jesus... God tattooed for you and me, not in a tattoo shop, but on a hill, not on a bench, but on a cross, not with needles, but with nails, and you would bear those scars of Calvary for the rest of eternity. How do you choose, how do I choose to respond to that love? Would you like Jesus to operate on your heart today to transform your heart. Free and fruitful is a matter of the heart. If you want your heart to be transformed and would like myself or one of our church elders to pray for you, to pray with you on this spiritual journey, feel free to come up here after we have our closing song and we'll be Praying for you, we'll be there for you, will be there to help you, to assist you on your spiritual journey. Would you stand as we close our as we sing our closing hymn?